Hey, Zach. Hello, Jack. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, to the listeners, I hope you're enjoying the beautiful audio quality of our new microphone. We're getting used to it. It's a little bit different than talking into the old handheld recorder, but hopefully it'll all be worth it. Seems worth it to me already. I get to sit a little bit closer to you, so... <laughs> yeah, we might have to get another. <laughs> Anyways, I've got a hand for you from Florida. So this was... Let me give you some information about the players in the hand. So all the villains in this hand are younger, probably between, I guess... So I'm sitting in the big blind. The first villain in the hand is under the gun, and he seems like he's probably a professional, uh, but basically just a straightforward tag player, looks to be in his late 30s. Another guy who could easily be a professional, but isn't talking with other regs the same way uh, that this first player was, looks to be in his uh, early 30s, has a large deck, has played basically a tag style. And then... The last guy in the hand is sitting on the button, and he looks to be in his late 20s and has been playing a ton of hands. I'm not sure if he's taken any creative lines. He limp re-raised me at one point, and I gave him credit for a good hand, uh, just because I uh, think it's a lot more common for recreational players to be doing that uh, with monsters than just about anything else. Uh, and I haven't seen him make that same play since. But more importantly to this hand, he and I were recently in a pot uh, where I won sort of a large hand, uh, I can't, or a large pot, I can't remember exactly what the hand was, but what's notable about, notable about it is that it was his turn to show and he was somewhat reluctant to do so, and I insisted that he show his hand before I showed him the winner. What and he dick. Was, <laughs> he was really <laughs> upset with me. God, you're just trying to play poker and have a good time, and this young hotshot kid thinks he's all that. <laughs> makes him show his hand. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. I think it was pretty much what I expected. But, but he sort of left the table for a little while and made us think about it. <laughs> and so now he's back. So this hand, I'm, on, I'm in the big blind. We're playing 2-5. I'm sitting with about... $700. Under the gun, limps. I have him covered. Uh, the second pro I described, or he might not be a pro, but the second player I described also limps. He has me covered. And then this guy, who has just bought back in for $300, makes it 30 on the button. And I have aces. So... 30 is definitely a larger sizing than I'm used to seeing. Uh, and I definitely know that when these two players limp, they don't have any strong hands. So I was... Oh, I'm sorry. The player under the gun... Or sorry, the player on the button actually had uh, only about $230 at this point. He had lost some uh, since buying back in. Okay, yeah, that's important. So... I wasn't sure whether to call a raise here. It hasn't been a situation for me where I've been three betting very much so far. So I think my three bet uh, out of position will look very strong. So this is this is one thing to think about real quick. So he obviously didn't like the fact that you made him show his hand. 
you think that will influence how he responds to a three bet in a spot? Will he be maybe even more likely to fold because he doesn't want to lose more money to you? Will he be more likely to call? Or does he probably just play it the same, just maybe a little more angrily? Uh, I think that this player probably will play pretty straightforward uh, once I three bet. So I do think it's likely that you know he'll be four betting all in with most of his premiums. Uh, but I do think that he's gonna fold most of his you know non-premium hands here. I think he's gonna. He doesn't seem like someone who is gonna tilt to the point where they're just gonna uh, bluff all in, you know, with all of their garbage. I don't necessarily mean bluff, but I mean like if he has like pocket fives here. Uh, the player that you described, I've been in spots like that before where a player seems mildly tilted or I've kind of tilted them, and even if they have a super short stack, they're just not in the mood to fold preflop unless it's a really bad hand. And the sizing of that raise would lead me to believe that their range is weighted towards their better value hands. Yeah, and I that's why I was pretty conflicted uh, because of the sizing. I definitely... I do think I'm getting a lot of calls just because I think his range is pretty strong at this point. But I think that if I 3-bet, then there's no way uh, the other two players are going to call. Yeah, and you have, against those players there, when you play your hand kind of tricky, you have some, you know, it makes the hand harder to play, but you have a lot of implied odds. Yeah, uh, I don't think those players are going to ever think I'm flatting aces in this spot. Yeah. Uh, and I think that if I call, it's very likely that they will both call. So that's a situation that I think is pretty attractive. Yeah, the, so how do you think the player on the button responds to like a min-raise? Um, I don't think there's going to be a very different response to a min-raise than a larger 3-bet. And I think that a min-raise is still definitely uh, going to fold out the other two players. Yeah, I think the min-raise is, is definitely folding out the other two players, but again, just as described, I don't see this player folding to min-raise given your history and their stack size. Yeah, but I think that a min-raise... I mean, I can get more money in the pot by flatting than min-raising here. Uh, I mean, I'll be, it'll be four-way, but I think that's you know pre- preferable considering my hand. Yeah, no, um, that, that's a really good point. Um, because the guy only does have two two thirty behind. My my thought here is just that when he makes it that size, I think he a lot of the time has a pair and a pair that he's not going to fold. And I think that if you three bet, even I probably prefer min raise in this spot. If you three bet pre flop, he's never folding. And on most runouts, you're going to be able to get his whole stack. And by flatting, you miss the opportunity to necessarily do that. But then the advantage is that you could potentially you know, get some value from these other two players. The only thing is, though, both of those players are likely... Well, one is definitely a pro. One is... The other is likely a pro. And even though they're not going to put aces in your range, they're still not going to make, you know, big mistakes post-flop. So being out of position to both of those players isn't, like, you know, that good, even though your hand is disguised and under-repped. I, I agree that it's not a huge... Plus, but I think that even though these are more competent players, that I don't think that necessarily means they won't make 
large mistakes post-flop. Uh, and I, I think just, you know, with my hand, getting to the flop and having someone hit a top pair type hand is going to be really profitable for me, mm-hmm. regardless of which player it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this is this kind of shows why you brought this hand in. It, it is really interesting. Uh, it's kind of like whether to go and try to stack the guy in the button with the short stack, which I think a majority of the time you can do with like a min three bet or kind of play a higher variance um, style and, and try to get multiple streets from those other players. Also, if they hit a top pair type hand, they'll just value on themselves, you know? Right. You can p- kind of play aces as just like a check call at least two streets on a lot of runouts. Yeah. So what are you thinking here? And then I'll tell you what I did. Uh, after going through it all, I honestly can't say with confidence that I strongly like either one <laughs> more than the other. My initial thought was to three bed and really kind of target that guy, but I wasn't at the table and I think it's really dependent on the rate to which he like flats the three bed and doesn't fold like top pair or second pair. So like if he has eights there and then I think with eights he's always calling them in three bet and then if it's like 10 four deuce, can you still get the whole stack? In my mm-hmm. experience, based on the type of player you described and type of image I get after playing, especially after doing something like making someone show their hand down, the answer to that is usually yes. But if that assumption isn't true, then I definitely like flatting more. But I, I'm just thinking of one of the two tags that you described uh, because I played with him briefly and kind of saw him play with you a bunch. And I just don't think... I mean, I think he'll value on himself for two streets, but I think that's kind of the best case scenario with that guy. So I think it just depends on how how often do we think the short stack player is going to stack off with a worse a worse pair, regardless of the of the runout. You know, so obviously there's gonna be some runouts where he he won't stack off, but I kind of mean like even if he has second pair, will he kind of just call because he thinks he might be full of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think the other thing is that one other thing to consider is that I think that the player on the button uh, is likely to continuation bet a lot. I think if I take sort of the betting lead, and then, you know, three bet, get called, bet out the flop. I don't think he's going to be calling off uh, that many, you know, middle pairs. And I'm not, I wish I could range him more accurately because I had never seen him bet this sizing before. Uh, So my hunch was that he had a more premium type hand. So I, I don't think that I'm getting a lot of value uh, or I'm missing a lot of value from his middle pair type hands uh, by flatting, both in the sense that I don't think he has that many of those hands in his range, or that's my hunch, and also I think he will be able to get get away from those on the flop. Okay. but the, So now if we think his range is really more weighted towards high cards and um, kind of better pairs, then we are missing a lot of value by flatting preflop. So if he has ace-king or ace-queen and you min three bet, he's calling, and then we'll stack off if he hits uh, top pair. 
where with his hands like eights, nines, tens, jacks, queens, if he goes multi-way and there's an overcard in a four-way pot, he's likely to not stack off. Where in a heads-up pot, even if there's one overcard, I think he's likely to stack off. So because I think his range is weighted towards high cards and better pairs, I'm going to go with I like kind of min three betting preflop, making it 60, 65, kind of giving him a price that he really feels like he can't fold except with the bottom of his range, which in this spot I don't feel like it's a particularly large part of his make it 30 on the button over two limber sizing. Obviously, if he normally makes it 20, 30 is kind of the standard thing to do over two limpers, but I don't think most recreational players think that way in terms of, you know, adjusting their opening raise size accordingly based on the limpers, kind of in the systematic way uh, more thinking players do. So I think I like them in three bet, but it's definitely very close, and it's me making an assumption about this player having not played with him. Uh... I'm actually going to disagree with you. I actually think min 3-betting is probably the worst line you could take. I think if I am going to 3-bet, I'm going to make it a lot bigger, thinking that his range is strong. And if I'm going to sacrifice the value added by bringing in the other two players into the pot, then I definitely want to get that value pre-flop. I also think one other reason I think flatting is good here, uh, and I I didn't mention this to you, uh, but I'll mention it now. I've seen this player value bet hands that really aren't strong enough to value bet. So I think if this player has jacks or queens and we see a king high flop, it's definitely not out of the question for him to continuation bet in possession, which I, I think is definitely a good reason to flat here. Well, that yeah, that very much lends itself towards flatting. Mm-hmm. Well, I did flat. Okay. Uh, and having talked about it more, I, I think I, I feel pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. So I flat, and then the other two players... Both call. So we see a king 6 3 rainbow flop. So it checks to the original raiser who bets $90 uh, into a pot of just under 120. Yeah, so I think when he when he has when he bets this size, he has at least a hand like tens or something, based on the way you described him. Uh, but I'd say he's more likely to have a king because mm-hmm. it's just a, a pretty big bet. But also some players will like bet that with tens and jacks kind of as a protection bet. Uh, but either way, I feel like he definitely has a one-pair hand in this spot, and you're beating those hands, so I feel pretty good. And given the stack depth and the fact that you want to keep the other two players in, I think I'm never doing anything but calling here. So my hunch is that you're right and that calling is correct here. But what I did was I actually raised to 200. Uh, And the reason I did this is because I feel like when I make this raise, the only hands that they'll ever think I have that aren't bluffs are sets. And I think that when you, like, rep only a set, especially after, you know, part of my consideration here was that I had taken a pretty good amount of time, actually, to make my preflop decision. And I don't think... I, I, I'm never taking long to do anything but call with threes and sixes, which I was hoping that the pros would pick up on. And so I thought that it would be really hard to put me on anything other than just a bluff. Now, part of what I don't like about that logic is that 
I don't think there's that many hands that I am going to bluff with here, but I, I am young and uh, I just showed a, a pretty strong hand. And so I could imagine them, uh, these types of pros, being really reluctant to fold a king uh, to a raise here. But I think that in retrospect, the reason that that's not a good play is that I think if I do flat, then they're also going to call with their kings for at least one street. And I think that they might fold some kings they would have called with uh, to my raise, just considering the player on the button. I'm not sure if they're going to view him or what they're going to view his range as here. Because I think that that player might be betting out some, you know, queens and jacks hands here, but I don't know if those players would ever put him on anything other than a strong king. So I, I think I like a flat, but I want to know what you think about the raise. Yeah, I think you just kind of leveled yourself. Um, I think the raise doesn't really have any value because any of the hands, you know, so if they don't have a set uh, and they have some type of king X hand, I think you're a lot more likely to extract value from those hands by calling for the reasons you described. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's just a pretty simple call spot. Uh, I think depending on a blank turn, you could maybe do something like lead uh, and try to extract more value from their from their kings and maybe get trickier on like the turn of the river or like, you know, if the turn goes check, check, and then you check and they value bet the river, you can kind of check raise the river uh, for some thin value. And I think maybe on the turn of the river is the spot to kind of come up with a more creative line to get max value from the kings. But I think the raise on the flop just e even if they kind of think through the hand and think, oh, wow, why would he ever raise with a value hand? Uh, you still have the person on the button who raised pre-flop to a big size, bet 90 into four people. So, like, what incentive do they really have to call there with King Jack when you when you raise like that, you know? Like, if I have King Jack suited in one of their spots, not that I would play it that way, uh, and it goes bet 90 and you call, I'm not feeling great about my hand, you know? So I'm feeling worse with a raise because even against a young kid, my general thoughts at live poker are, unless I have evidence that they're capable of doing some type of weird, crazy bluff in a multi-way pot on a dry board, I'm just going to give them credit for now, even if I kind of have some instinct that says they they might not have it. And I think they, you know, if these two guys have played a lot, that's kind of going to be their default. They might feel that you could be up to something, but, you know, not not going to be the time to, to risk it and find out. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you, but I do actually want to, I'm remembering now better what my mindset was at the time. I was actually thinking that it might be possible to induce a bluff with this raise, but I, I think for the same reasons, it's it's not a good raise. So, yeah, I think this was a mistake, and I took the pot down. The uh, player on the button thought for a while and actually folded. Uh, I don't think he would fold a king in this spot. And I'm not sure that how much more value I would have been able to get from a pair of queens from him at this point in the hand. But I still think it's a mistake. I think I'm missing more value uh, from kings that those two players would call with than I'm generating by creating skepticism and maybe inducing a bluff or you know, a, a larger call with a king X hand. 
I also think you are missing value from queens, jack, tens from the player on the button. I think if if you flat here and then just like shove the turn, he's likely going to call with those hands. Maybe. Or at least yeah, more, more likely to do that than call a raise on the flop. Well, maybe. I'm not sold on that. But I think it's possible. And I think that the, the, the uncertainty of how that player will respond with a hand like Queens uh, makes it... I'm more certain that I'm missing value from the other two players in the hand than that player. Mm-hmm. So I think mainly for those reasons, I, I should have called. Uh, but you could definitely be right about uh, the player on the button as well. Cool. Well, really interesting spot. I don't find myself flatting aces pre-flop much, given the way I play, but I think it's definitely a spot where uh, it could have been the correct play. Yeah. Yeah, to be clear, I had only been playing for about an hour and a half, and I think I'd only had one three-betting spot. Uh, It wasn't a game where three-betting light is to your favor because people are just... uh, or the people you want to be playing pots with, not really the players I was actually in this hand with, but everyone else at the table, tends to be uh, pretty call-happy once they put money in the pot pre-flop. Yeah, so at this place, the Palm Beach Kennel Club, there was not a lot of kind of raise folding to a (laughs) three-bet. That wasn't really uh, the MO of most people here. Yeah, so so I think almost I'm almost always three betting aces. It's just this very specific spot where I have these two pros who I know their range is super capped by limping. I, I, that's the only reason I would ever consider finding aces in this room, which I but I did. So there you go. Cool. Yeah. So for those of you who haven't heard, Zach and I have just released our first premium podcast series where Zach. Coaches a 2-5 grinder uh, who's based in Maryland at the Maryland Live Casino. Uh, And they talk through a bunch of really interesting spots and go a little bit more in-depth than we do in the podcast, especially in terms of uh, how to evaluate yourself and how to improve, uh, not just talking through the strategy. So I think it's going to be really, really valuable for literally anyone who finds themselves playing 1-2, 2 5 even 5-10 games. And for those of you who are reluctant to uh, purchase something like that without getting a taste of it, if you sign up for our mailing list on our website, you'll get the first episode for free. Uh, so definitely check that out, and there's lots of other good stuff that comes on the mailing list. So stay tuned, uh, and we'll see you next week.